welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another Destiny Changing Word by David Entry from one of our Revival Seeking Youth Services. If you want to control your world, catch the word. Be blessed. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Let's go. And accounting that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, even... Also, according to the wisdom given him, it's in you. Learned and unstable rest, they do other scriptures, their own destruction. Amen. Now put it on the screen, New King James Version, and let's all read 15 and 16. Let's go. As also on all his epistles, speaking in them of the these things, in which are some hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of all Peter liked talking about the scripture. His the the authenticity and the, the weight of his preaching and teaching was on scripture. So he was talking about how uh, he made references to the prophets. He, in his teachings, he said, um, he made references to the prophets. And he's not teaching anything new that the Old Testament's prophets have not taught. In other words, or let me put it this way, everything they taught agreed. So, whatever Peter taught agreed with what the scriptures in the Old Testament have said. On the day of Pentecost, the first preacher of the church, when the church was born, was Peter. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that, and Peter stood up amongst them, I think from verse 14, and Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and said, to them, they say, when you are preaching, don't raise your voice. Amen. Said to them, men of Judea and of uh, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my ways. Then he tried, because the people were commenting that these guys speaking in tongues are drunk. So he said, for these are not drunk as you assume. Mm-hmm. You know, people always have their own version of what we are doing in church, yeah. what they think, oh, all these things like this. That. Sometimes they are wrong, but they are very confident. confident. Mm-hmm. Peter said, these guys are not drunk as you suppose. You're wrong, guys. You thought they are drunk. They look like they are drunk. And it makes you think that you are right in thinking that way, but you're wrong. Then he says that they are not drunk as you, because this is so he, that this is referring to what is happening. Which you interpret as drunk is the fulfillment of scripture. The day the scripture was fulfilled, people thought it was uh, ecstasy. It was some excessive behavior of some people who are not serious with their lives. They always pass their own comments about us. 
So Peter said, these guys are not drunk as you suppose. For this, what is happening, which you are finding a way to interpret, because I think the verse 9 or so, or verse 7, they said, what is the meaning of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the people were saying, this thing is the happy. What's the meaning of this? Everybody is speaking in tongues, our language, verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying, what could this mean? Verse 13. Others mocking said, they are full of, they are, they are drunk. So when people were, what's this? Others were saying, oh no, these guys are drunk. People, it's interesting that someone can be drunk and start speaking your language which they don't know. And you call that drunk? Oh, come on. Please, let's be a bit real and intelligent. These people are not drunk as you suppose. But it says that this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter, what did he say? Then he quoted it. For it shall come to pass. And it shall come to pass. He quoted the scripture. I see his first preaching. His first preaching was to say, guys, you are wrong. This is what's happening. Then what is happening, he starts to give it, interpret it from the scripture. That what is happening is not anything new. It has already been spoken. So Peter was used to, and that, that preaching, he finished the preaching in verse 37 when the people interrupted him. The Bible says that uh, uh, now, now when they heard this, uh, they were cut to the heart and they stopped. They said, Peter, Peter, and the guys, what can we do? They interrupted the preaching. But from there, before that, check the number of scriptures he was quoting. He was quoting, as it's written, it is written, it is. Every statement back is written, it's written. What was written in the Old Testament? Peter was used to making references to what is written in the Old Testament because our preaching is void if it is detached from what the Old Testament have said. So, Peter is used to making references, or Peter and all good preachers make references to scripture. And so in those days, their scripture was the really, their established scripture, or the established scripture of the Jews was what we call the Old Testament. The Torah. Now, coming back to the text we just read, an account that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother, brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. So he's saying that um, the these things I'm teaching you about the, the, uh, everything will be bent away and all those that whatever account that it doesn't happen because God is giving people time to really change. Then the long suffering means that he's suffering for a long time. So God long suffering that means patience. Give us new international version. Bearing in mind that our Lord's patience. You see, our Lord's patience means salvation. Wow. wow. Patience is meant to bring you salvation. So once you change, some of you have changed. If you had not changed, you would have gotten pregnant. Yeah. If you had not changed, you would have been in prison. You are on your way to prison, but they didn't arrest. They should have arrested you because your other friends were arrested. How come you escaped? Because God was patient. Because his patience means salvation. Some of you, you know some trouble you should have gotten yourself into. 
but you escaped. Why, why did that happen? The patience of the Lord means salvation. You, you almost died. And God spared you. You have come to sit in church. You are saying the preaching is too long. Prison is longer than preaching. So, he said the, the, the patient of me just as our beloved, our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom God. So, just as, that means he's not saying anything different. The patience of the Lord means salvation. Just as Paul has been written, also written to you. Then he goes on to Paul, look at what he said, verse 16. As also in all his epistles, say all. All his epistles. When you listen, read, read the books, the Bible, the New Testament, the, the Pauline epistles, called Pauline epistles, or Pauline. That's the ones written by Paul. How do you know the ones written by Paul? Sometimes he introduces himself, Paul, an apostle, to the church of Corinth. So that you know it's Paul most of the time. So um, the Pauline apostle epistles, most of them, um, you will realize that he was explaining what the church is. Most of the, Paul had a responsibility, an assignment to, according to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, verse, from verse 6, he said, the mystery which has been hidden in God, okay, verse 5 says that, the mystery, let me, the, I'm going back, 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 I think it's okay, verse 5, no, okay, you, you've taken me to verse 4. Verse 5, okay, verse 4, all right, all right, all right, if you take it in verse 4. By which when you read, you understand my knowledge. Wow, of the mystery of Christ. Paul said, I've got some knowledge into this, this stuff. And I've written a few things. If you read, you understand my knowledge. Yeah. So, by which which you read, you understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Huh? Let's go on. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. As it has now been revealed by the Spirit to the holy apostles and prophets. Wow. Say apostles and prophets. Say that again. Prophets, prophesy, apostles preach. Which in other ages were not, I mean, okay, let's go to the next verse, verse 6. That's, what's the message? This whole mystery is that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. That is a conundrum. The same body. You mean the same body? Normally, Jews and Gentiles don't mix. Now, this new thing, it, and this has been going on for thousands of years. Since Moses, Jews and Gentiles are not meant to mix. Suddenly, after Christ died, Paul says that, you see, there's this mystery in Christ, which when you, when you read, you understand my insight about it. And this mystery is about that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. Not like the Gentiles to have now started a body. So, okay, there's the Jewish body. And no, he said Jews and Gentiles now are going to be the same heir. Whatever a Jew is entitled to, a Gentile is also going to be entitled to. And they are all in one body. And partakers of the promise of, of Christ, a promise in Christ through the gospel. So Gentiles should be part of the God. promise of God, the promise of Christ, Gentiles too. We have, Paul said, yeah, yeah. 
This is this whole new thing that God is doing. Are you getting something? All right, let's go to the verse 7. Of which I became, ah. So what did you become a minister of? Uh, the thing I was talking about, that the Gentiles should be, um, the Gentiles should be fellow S or the same body. He has become a preacher of that thing. Okay. This is new. That's why even Peter, who didn't know deep into it, made a mistake to the extent that one day they went somewhere, there were Gentiles in Antioch. Antioch is a Gentile territory. And so people have become born again. And then, you remember Barnabas went to Antioch? Yeah. And, uh, so people have become born again and they have having fellowship. And Christian fellowship was also heavy in eating. Those days, you can't have fellowship without food. Wow. That's why they continued apostles breaking of bread. So they were eating, but there's a Jewish law that Gentiles and Jews are not meant to eat together. So they were eating. And then some Jewish believers came from Jerusalem whose mindset have not changed about the new thing God is doing. They were still in Judaism. So when they came to Jerusalem, they don't expect that now that Peter, you guys are godly, more godly, you have to even keep the law of God more. You can't be fellowshipping and eating with Gentiles. But Peter knows that now the system has changed. But the other guys don't, didn't know. So instead of staying faithful to the system, he wanted to fit in the old system. He wanted to look cool. He wanted to f- go with the flow or uh, um, is it, to, with the, uh, to keep, keep up with the Joneses. So he, he, he wanted to, yeah, look that me, you know, I like everybody. So according to Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, and 11, and 12, and 13. So, uh, this is what is trying to say that the, the letter from the apostles said that only they desired only that we should remember the poor, the poor, the very thing we were supposed to do. Now, look at verse 11. That's where really I'm going. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I rebuked, I withstood, I withstood him to the faith. That's why he rebuked Peter. Yeah. Peter, senior apostle, yeah. Peter, you can't do this. I will turn him to the face because he was to be blamed. Why? What did he do wrong? What did Peter do wrong? Look at the next verse. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. He has fearing that the Jews will criticize him. So he, he, he played the hypocrisy. He wasn't intentionally hypocritical, but he didn't want social backlash. So he separated himself to look like, oh, me, I don't, these guys, I can't eat. So Paul said, Peter, you are wrong. You can't do this before all of them. He will shoot them to their face. Yeah. He will shoot them to their face. He will shoot them to their face. And look at the next verse. And the rest of the Jews also played the, so it was hypocrisy, played the hypocrisy with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. You know Barnabas, he went to Antioch and brought this whole change. He helped them greatly according to Acts chapter um, 11, I think so. 11.23. Yes, so 22, the new came to the church of Jerusalem that 
the gospel has gone to Antioch. Let's go to 20. 20. This is how I read my Bible. Well, if you don't like it, I think it's just nice to see it within the context, right? But some of the men from, uh, 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 some of them were from uh, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to where? Antioch. What did they do? Spoke to the Hellenists. Hellenists means that Hellenists are uh, Greek-speaking people. Okay, Hellenists. When you, have, when you read a new um, NIV to use a different NIV to the Greeks, you see, to the, speak to the Greeks, also telling them a good news about the Lord Jesus. Let's go to the next verse. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of the people believed. Let's go to the next verse. That then this, new came, this news came to Jerusalem. So when the disciples or the apostles in Jerusalem heard that this was what has happened, they sent who? Barnabas as far as Antioch. And then Barnabas went to Antioch. You see, I like verse 23. Oh, when he had come and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them, uh, encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue in the Lord. Look at the next verse quickly. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the church. See, see his impact? More people were added to the church because of his impact. Now, when Peter came to Antioch, he played a hypocrisy. He played the hypocrisy. So now Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Look at verse 11 again. He said, now Peter, when Peter had come to where? Antioch. There was a good move of God there. Peter, when he came, he was also flowing with it until some Jews came from Jerusalem or Peter. They were those who were with James. James was at Jerusalem. And then he began, he began to separate himself to the extent that even Barnabas. Wow. Are you seeing what the Bible is saying? Yeah. Even Barnabas, Barnabas was carried away. Yeah. Suddenly, Barnabas, who has come to help the people, he was with them because Peter's behavior. The Jews, they separated. So Barnabas also left the Jews. Paul said, you can't spoil the church with this Judaistic loss. So he stood Peter to the face. That's because at that time, the understanding that the the Gentiles and the Jews who become followers in one body had not penetrated the Judaism community. So Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, the one we are reading, verse 7, verse 8. Now let's go back to, am I making sense to somebody? Yeah, yeah today I just want to zoom into something. If you are hungry enough, it will be a blessing to you. Of which Paul said, of this thing, this mystery that teaches that Gentiles and Jews will become, Gentiles will become the same, uh, heirs of, uh, fellow heirs of the same body. He said, I became a preacher, a minister, according to the grace, uh, gifts of the grace were given to me by the effectual. So that's my meaning. My ministry is all about, Paul, oh, Paul's ministry is all about this, to help people to get it. That's Paul. Look at the verse 8 and verse 9. To me, who am less than the least of the, all the saints, was this grace given that I should preach, the, the, uh, I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Look at the next verse. And to not only Gentiles, who are like this, and to make all men see. Guys, you have to understand. He said, I want guys, God has given me the ministry to make all men see what is the fellowship. Fellowship means, get up, come. Fellowship means koinonia. See, Siamese I mean, twins, how they are. They are so, some of them, you can't separate them. Siamese twins, you can't separate them. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, and that's what it means. 
We are so much part together. Wow. So and he says that my assignment is to, uh, uh, to, to make all men see what is this kind of fellowship, interaction, koinonia, of the mystery, the way this thing works. Paul said, that's what I'm, thank you. I'm meant to help people, to all men to see. All men. So that means that when I begin, Paul, when Paul begins to teach, suddenly you won't, oh no, this is not normal. I don't understand this. That one, this, this deep. I've never seen it like this before. And some of the things, it will take you a lifetime to understand. Because it is completely new. Why was it new? Because what the guy was teaching, I feel like preaching now. Please sit down. What the guy is teaching was, look at verse 5, Ephesians 3, 5. Look at that. Which in other ages were not made known to the sons of men. So what is teaching? Men have never discovered it. In fact, in one of the, it says it was hid in God. It was actually God, something God has hidden in himself. Now he has given it to someone to preach it. How many of you agree with me? When the person starts preaching, some things you say will be hard to understand. Romans chapter 16, verse 25, yeah. According to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world, so that it was kept secret since the world began. All right, this revelation is what he's, he's preaching about. My preaching is according to this revelation. Now go to the next verse. Let's see what he says that. But now made manifested by the prophetic scriptures and all. Now, Ephesians, back to Ephesians chapter 3, what we are reading. Ephesians chapter 3. Um, yes, that's the one I'm looking for. So, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Now go to the verse 9. I think we were already in the verse 9, so it was. All right, that's, to make all men know, uh, uh, to make all, uh, all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages, actually it was there, has been hidden in God. Now, I am called to make all men see things that have been hidden in God. How many of you know that many men will have problems to try to see? Because, okay, have you ever seen a girl with seven legs? Now, somebody says that I'm going to teach you how a girl can walk with seven legs. Eh? Or how a guy can walk with eight legs. Huh? How? You mean a human being? Oh, yes. Do you mean an octopus or a spider? You know, people will be, oh, no, no, no. How can you be? Yes, things that have been hidden, God, that no man knew. No, God hid it. It's not God kept it, He hid it. There's a difference between keeping something and hiding something. It was hid inside God. I've been talking about this for a long time. Hid inside God. Now, after Christ died, he called Paul, go and preach what has been hidden in me. So, Paul's teaching about the church was so deep, it took, it takes a long time and a period of time in working with God and growing in God to begin to understand. So Peter says that these things that I'm telling you, our beloved brother Paul wrote about. Oh, come on. He said, and as our beloved brother Paul, the guy who rebuked me for my hypocrisy, he was right. Peter said he was right. Our beloved brother Paul <laughs> 
according, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Watch this. Verse, the next verse. All, as also in his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. Does that make sense? Because if Paul is writing things, uh, there will be something. And the problem is not only that they are hard to understand. If you attempt, some people attempt to try and explain it, they end up twisting the scripture. When you are not well taught. So those who are not taught and they are not stable, they twist this, what Paul has written to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. That means when you twist the scriptures, you are destroying your future. So now let's go back to Peter. So now I want to draw your attention to something very important. In we, uh, uh, speaking, watch this. As also in all his epistles, speaking of them, uh, speaking in them of these things. Say these things. Say these things. So these things are not referring to what Paul has been speaking about. These things are referring to what Peter is speaking about or was speaking about. But he's making reference that Paul spoke as well about these things I'm talking about. So Paul heavily spoke about the gospel, how God has come to be with man and has formed a church for himself. That's, so Peter also, he says, these things that I'm, thinking, I'm speaking, Paul spoke about them. So that means Peter also spoke the gospel. And his teaching never was divorced from what the prophets have said and other apostles have said. So now that, that leads me, this is all introduction, can you imagine? Wow. So now, the gospel according to Peter. But if we say these things, we, that means that we, it, it will be good to consider things, uh, what Peter has been speaking about. He wrote eight chapters. First Peter has five Second Peter has three. How many in all? Eight. Are you sure? Yes. He wrote eight chapters. But in these eight, eight chapters, he captures the core essentials of God's agenda, which is called the true gospel. The core essentials. That's why he was saying that Paul also spoke about these things. The core, the core, the core. What are the core essentials of the, of the gospel? Without which you, are, you don't have the gospel, uh, the full gospel. Number one is from the side of God. Number two, from the side of the believers. Number three, from the side of, the, of Satan. And number four, the side of the universe. God has got something to say. The gospel touches on God's, who God is and his agenda. The gospel touches on who the believer is and what's going on with the believer. The gospel touches on Satan. How he has a, an appetite for the believer. And the gospel touches on the universe. How the world was formed. And how, where the world is going to end. How God has brought judgment in the past. How he's going to bring judgment. How God has dealt with false prophets. How God has dealt with demons. How God, it's all part of the gospel. So the gospel is not only come to Jesus and you'll be saved. No. The gospel is all encompassing. The actual message of God. The eternal agenda of God. From eternity past to eternity future, everything that God has, is doing and has got to say is part of the gospel. Why didn't people ask this question? Where did Cain get his wife? Where my father got my mother? 
Where did Cain find his wife? Those days, they used to live 700 years. When is a person ready to be a wife? 17 years. <laughs> so by the time your great-great-grandmother, mm. by the time or your great-great-great-granddaughter is born, you have a lot, your cars, they are everywhere. There are many people. So why didn't the Bible mention them? That's where I'm going. Well, why should they mention them? For what? The Bible is not a history book. That way. <laughs> He's not recording history that happened because he didn't mention Confucius. Mm, wow. The Bible didn't mention Aristotle. The Bible never mentioned Plato. Even though these guys were there before Peter. The Bible does not mention every... Alexander the Great, surprising, was not mentioned. Because he actually made a huge impact before Jesus was born. He didn't mention Alexander the Great. How? I just can't believe what. Because it's not a history book. Even Jesus Christ, not everything he did was recorded. Not everything. After Jesus died, how many of the disciples did you hear about? Doesn't mean that they ceased to exist. They were all there. But we are not. How about Mary? What happened to Joseph, the natural father of Jesus? What happened? We don't know. Why don't we know? Because I don't need to know it. It's not important. How did Mary die? What does it do for me? How did Paul die? What does it do for me? How did Peter die? What, how, what does it add to my life? It doesn't do anything for my redemption apart from my inquisitivity. So anything that is not recorded in the Bible has not got anything to do with your redemption. This contains God's redemption program and plan. So when Peter said, also spoke about these things. He's talking about things that have to do with God's eternal purpose, program, redemption, and better still, God's economy. God's eternal program. God has a program. I pray that you prepare yourself to be part of God's program. Because with you, with or without you, God is going to do what he wants to do. God has a, God has a program. So Peter, what was the gospel of Peter? I told you, the four aspects of the gospel, God, the believers, Satan, and the universe. The universe includes all human beings. So we have to know, next week possibly, I probably have to go a bit more into the believer. When you become a believer, this whole Christian journey, what it entails, it's not just being in church. Some of you have decided, okay, now I'll go to church. The pastor is funny. You are funny, you. <laughs> I will not go to church because there are some nice people. That place is nice. Oh, no, you are getting this wrong. Yeah. That's not why we come to church. Being in church doesn't mean you are in the plan of God. Wow. There is a whole bigger, and so can you imagine that all of us here, there's a section amongst us which, who I can know who belong to God. You think everybody here is going to heaven? No, in your dreams. Wow. Not everybody here is going to heaven. Yeah. But not everybody here has, really has Christ in them. There are people who think, they might be thinking they are Christians, but when the rabbi hits the road, Jesus said, I don't know you. God, the way you have been sinning and living like anything, you have been in control of your life. I've never been in control. Wow. 
Jesus will tell you, I've never been in control, but you thought you were coming to church, so, but you're still in control. So that means that you are here, but you are not part of those Christ lives in. The, The true church will always be smaller than the number in the congregation. That's right. We can have people who are outside of the congregation, but they are part of the true church. Forget it. Those people will tell you, you, you'll be surprised one day in heaven. You'll be surprised people who you will see. People who have never been to church is that crap kind of God philosophy. It will never happen. People who have never been to church, they have never been part of the church. You can't be part of the church and be part of his body. The body of Christ is not his clothes. Your clothes are not part of your body. But your finger is part of your body. If you are genuinely a Christian, you'll be part of the body. And the actual body, which also has localized expressions. My finger, you know, local anesthesia? What does that mean? It's not general. It's just in a particular, because that's local to this area. That's what local church is about. If you are part of the body, you'll be found in some local church somewhere. Local, local. How come you say you are part of the body, but we don't know your location? You have a balloon. Ah. (laughs) Is somebody learning something? So, we, Peter said, I need to tell you about the church. Next week I'll go more about the believers. But today, with this short time I'm left with, about God, the gospel, God in the gospel. What is it? What, what role does God play? The gospel does not start from man. It starts from God. Amen. Christianity doesn't start from man. It starts from God. It doesn't start from angels. It starts from God. So Paul, in first, uh, Romans chapter 1, he says that the gospel of God, Romans chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, he says the gospel, Paul, born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be apostles, separated unto us the gospel of God, not a gospel of a pastor. The gospel has a copyright on it. And it's God's gospel. It's God's gospel. Don't change it. Don't change it because people don't like it. It's not yours. It's not yours. When your managers ask you to send an email, you work in the hospital, someone comes to do a scan, and then they, they said, we'll send it to you later. And then later on, when the results came, they said, send it to the person. The person has got cancer. You can't say it's my friend, so I can't send him that. Let me send him something else. Please, it's not your message. It's yeah. just a, it's, come on. It, whether he likes, whether it to make the person cry, uh, it's still send it. It's not your message. Yeah. Don't change the message. The gospel is not yours. It doesn't belong to the church for politicians to show us what we should preach. Yeah. Who owns the gospel? God. So if you are faithful to God, you keep his gospel the way it is. I'm teaching you some good stuff. It's the gospel of God. So he said that to understand this whole gospel, you can't understand it without knowing the role of God. So first, from the side of God, this true gospel of Peter, in in where does God come in? Oh, it, it, right from chapter one. 
First Peter chapter one, verse one and two. Is there? Let's all read Allah from the screen. Let's go. Excuse me. So who wrote the letter? See, his name is just there, so you don't get confused about it. Let's go. Let's go to the verse two. Ah, ah. Some people have been elected. I'm not talking about our prime minister. The next one coming, I don't think he'll be elected. But God, there was a, one day there was an election. You, st- you stood for office. And God said, me, you are my vote. Voted you. And you know what is interesting? You were elected based on not your behavior. Based on the foreknowledge of God the Father. God knew that you were coming, so he elected you before you appeared. He knew you were coming, so he elected you before he showed up. It was based on his foreknowledge, not based on your arrival. The reason why you are in church, the reason why you are a Christian is because God elected you based on his foreknowledge. Not because your parents are Christians, but elected because of his foreknowledge. This is what makes Christians shout hallelujah. So it's God from eternity past. God elected us. God chose us based on his foreknowledge. So that means that God chose a people in eternity according to his foreknowledge. So before he, before he created the world, some people had already. Say, does that make sense when he said, in which there are some hard things, hard to understand? God didn't leave this kind of information in the human intellect. This one is superior knowledge. School, doesn't matter how much. So sometimes some people, when they are professors or they are highly educated, they think I should understand. No, no, it's not everything that you can understand because it has been hid in God. Except a man is born again. John 3, 3. So, chapter 2, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, said you are a... Uh, ah. Uh, you mean I'm chosen? Not just elected. God said, uh, come. Me, he said, no, 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 you. Somebody said, no, it can't be you. God said, yeah, it is you. They said it can't be you, but it's you. They thought you were a fornicator, but me, I've chosen you. They ruled you out that you are a gangster. You are a rowdy person. You, nothing, nothing good can come out of you. They ruled you out, but God said, I, I've chosen you not based on your ga- gangstership, but I've chosen you based on my foreknowledge. I knew I was going to do something with your life. That's why Satan couldn't kill you before God chose you. Because his chosen is based on his foreknowledge, not your behavior. God chose us. So he said, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Can you imagine? We, 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 we are royalty. Wow. Ah. Chosen into royalty. 
It would have been interesting if it's your only royalty. But royal priesthood. Hey, look at somebody. Do I look like a priest? Tell them, that's exactly what I am. We are a special people of God. We are a holy nation. Come on. Say, before this happened in time, God has hidden all this. And he was only dealing with the Jews. So the Jews thought any other person is not important to God. Suddenly, they found out these people are also serving God, but they still are not that important. And Paul said, you are wrong. No, you said, no, no, they are not that important. Even though they are now, we can keep them on the side and allow them to also do some, but they are not that important. They are not in the core. Paul said, you are wrong. The economy of God has, has always been not just a change. It has been part of God's plan that Jews and Gentiles will be one body. They will be one body, but you never knew. And it's not just one body, but they are a royal body. Royalty. And not only royalty. You Jews, it's only the priests certain people in the Aaronic priesthood or Levites who are priests. But now, he said, brother, priesthood of all believers. What? Does that make sense when Peter says that hard things to understand? Am I teaching some Christians that? This is what sometimes a lot of pastors can teach. But this is what a pastor, Christian pastor, to be able to teach. Stop the prosperity nonsense. Yeah. Prosperity, 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 prosperity. Once now you are finished, you don't have anything, and you begin to look for something else and say, okay, it's too much. I taught you too much. Now, because, because of your hunger and your materialism, if you are stayed with the gospel, you did, there's no way you go wrong with the true gospel. Yes. So, what is happening is that as you guys are listening to these kind of things, it prepares you to be a decent, basic, those of you who do pastoring work, a basic Christian pastor. These are just, these are the tenets of Christianity. People can be in church for so long and these things are strange to them. So who has been teaching you? Who has been teaching you going around saying that the, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous? God has blessed us to learn to nations. Someone came to ask me that question that, Bible says that God, in Deuteronomy, I'll bless you and you will lend to nations. And he said, why are Christians poor? The person today, someone said, Pastor, I have a question. Why are Christians poor? He says, God said, I'll bless you and you will lend to nations. I said, two answers. Number one, your premise is just off and wrong. Christians are not poor. He said, but there are a lot of Christians who are, they don't have, they were like that before they came. Don't talk like Christianity make them poor. Christianity has never made anyone, it doesn't make anyone poor and doesn't make anyone necessarily rich. You don't have to be a Christian in order to be rich. And being a Christian will not make you poor. It's like you are trying to say, why are there so many Christians who don't have PhD? It's not Christianity that made them not have it. They didn't have it before they came. But there are Christians who have PhD who didn't have it, but when they came and they heard the word of God, they got sense to pursue a PhD or master's or basic degree, bro. Yes, 
So I don't, don't, what, what do you mean by Christian? Why are many Christians poor? The reason why a lot of people come to church when poor is it's easy to be a prisoner and say, I'm, I'm born again. Mm. But we can't really check whether it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Did you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you might not be really born again, but you're just saying because you want the freedom. Yeah. When you get your freedom, see, that is why it's good that your libido is so high. Prove that you love God in spite of that libido. Wow. You need the opposition to prove you are authentic. So, when you become a Christian, it is God's idea first. And it's based on his foreknowledge. We are chosen. Say, I'm chosen. Chosen Chosen and elected. Wow. So that's where it starts. This whole thing, Again, what you say? So God planned that there are some people I'm going to elect. There are some people I'm going to choose. There are some people I'm going to select. When did he plan it? Before Adam fell. This is hard to understand. But you are a man. He's God. You are human. He's God. So, but that's his plan. How do you know? But how else shall we know? That's why he's put here. Peter said that's how it started. It started with God. But I know God is three in one. So God the Father planned it for knowledge, by his foreknowledge. How about God the Son? Based on the foreknowledge of the Father, Christ came in time. So what Christ came to do was not new. It was a new plan. It has already been pre-planned. Christ dying on the cross was not something and was not an afterthought. When did that come into existence? Before the foundation, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. He said Christ was slain. Before the foundation, the, the lamb. He, he, watch this. He indeed was foreordained. Who? Christ. He was foreordained. For, for, what's the meaning of foreordained? You know, ordained to ordain is like I've, I've arranged, appointed that. And for it means before. Give us a. a, 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 a um, he was chosen before the creation of the world. That's Jesus. But in time, it must manifest somewhere in time. That's why you can't say something has happened. You have to give a time. Anything that happens must have a timeline. In the same way, anybody who is, a, who is a Christian, who is part of the body of Christ, must also have a location in a local church. So Jesus Christ was, um, give us Amplify, please. It is true that he was chosen and foreordained or destined and and foreknown for it before the foundation of the world. So before the foundation, in other words, the world was made, Jesus was already foreordained to come and die for those God who choose, or God has also 
is going to choose within time, but he foreknew them. That's, that's what makes the gospel very gospelic. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, but how can God know all, you know, God is not like us to know things from the beginning before they happen. But so, did God know Adam and Eve were sin? What do you think? Yes. Do you think you were surprised? Ah, what has happened here? <laughs> God is omniscient. There's nothing he doesn't know. He knows, before he was creating the earth, he knew that you would be here. That's why he chose you before he created you. It's interesting. This is the gospel. See the gospel? You see the gospel? See the gospel? It's hard. That's why a lot of pastors will preach it. But when you can get it, and you don't have to understand how God does it, but you have to understand what it means. Because if you don't understand what it means, it's gibberish. But just understand that some people were chosen in God before the foundation. Christ was crucified. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah. Before. So before we started the service, some people came to clean the place. Is that what you don't understand? So before we also got onto this earth, Christ's blood was already prepared to speak. That's how come, watch this, that's how come the blood of Jesus, even though he died 2,000 years ago, can go back 2,000 years before and still wipe the sins of the people because the blood was shed before. No, ah, it's getting complex. So that's why I just stay with the before. Don't try that. So how can that, how will God do it? What? Have you even understood why you eat rice white? And then it comes out a different color. Do you understand how simple one seed, spermatozoan, sperm, sperm, one, one, tiny, your eye cannot see sperm. Enters a woman's womb after nine months. That one you be thinking about, how does it happen? You want to think about how God planned this before. That what science can even explain, you are struck, it's, it's quite complex. Even what human mind can explain is a bit complex. I tell you, I want to understand how you are talking, just blood was shed before everything found, and then later on in time. He said it. He said, was foreordained before the foundation, but in due time. It's in the Bible, but was manifested in the last times. So it can be applicable to us. It can be of effect to human beings. That's the gospel. So God planned it. Christ was foreordained to, to come and die on the cross to activate those God has elected. That's talking about you and I. To, to, because without the blood of Christ, you can't be saved. So for our salvation and our redemption, Christ must die. But his dying is not an afterthought, it's not something new. We understand from Peter and from the scriptures, he was foreordained. That's why when the Satan came to him and he says that, if uh, uh, you are the son of God, come down from the cross, he didn't mind him. 
That's why he said, Father, this is difficult. If it's possible, let this cup come pass. Nevertheless, not as I will. Let you. We have already planned this. We have planned it. I, he knew he was coming to die to activate the redemption and the salvation plan to make it a reality among humanity, including Moses, including. So how about those who lived before he came? They were all saved in advance. So as soon as he died, it activated their salvation. And we are all still that mystery. Can you imagine we and Moses and Elijah and Jeremiah and Aaron we are all part of one, one body, not two bodies, wow. one. Moses is part of the body of Christ. Wow. Do you hear what I said? Yeah. Moses is part of the body of Christ. Wow. Elijah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, they are all part of the body of Christ. But they were, didn't Jesus say before Abraham? He said, Abraham desired to see my days. He said, you are not yet 50. And you say, Abraham desired to see. Abraham wanted to see my days. And he saw it. Huh? Desire, and he saw it. Abraham saw the days. That's why Abraham is, was saved. He saw the days of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, it says that, and because, when the, 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 therefore, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. All right. Verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. See, this is a very powerful scripture. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God will justify who? Gentile. Who? Gentile. Who? Gentile. See this Gentile thing. Jews, Gentiles. They originally, the Jews thought they were the only children of Abraham, so Gentiles are not part of it. But God, because God's original plan was to add all humanity, foreseeing that scripture, foreseeing that God will justify the Gentile by faith, preach the gospel. Gospel? To Abraham, gospel? Hey, no, no, no. What's the gospel? What's the gospel? I know what you say. Christ died on the tree and the cross, and he was. Yes, that is the gospel. So that was preached to Abraham. How would that be preached to Abraham? That's where the mystery of God comes in. Abraham saw my days, and he was glad. The gospel was preached to Abraham. Back. The gospel was preached to Abraham, and the gospel God preached is that in you. In you, all nations shall be blessed. There is Christ that is coming through your loins. And through your loins, every, all nations, not only Jews. All nations. So when Abraham received the call and obeyed God, that was the promise. It was the coming Christ who was going to come through the loins of Abraham. And Abraham saw it and he believed it. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Can an unbeliever appreciate this? Oh. How can someone who is out there? And then you go, oh, you know, the Bible, somebody wrote this. When you are so crazy, in that sense, we don't bother talking about this. This is so petty. The depths of the things I know about God and concerning the plan, the economy of God, the foreknowledge of God, excuses me from this pediatric stuff. Yeah. I know too much. I'm operating in some. Let's operate in that level and leave those people. Okay, who wrote the Bible? My mother. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. When we are talking about the deep things of God, you two don't even have a clue. You have uh, disturbing us with the, the, the shallow parts of the natural things. We are, we are deep. Let me finish this. The Holy Ghost also plays a role. Yeah. 
So Jesus Christ was slain to save God's chosen people. Look at First Peter chapter one, verse eighteen and nineteen. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Uh, that what, uh, watch this. What, what is the instrumental means for our redemption? With the blood of Christ. You are redeemed with the, pre- say precious. precious. So It's so precious to God. <laughs> More than jewelry. The precious blood. And it says, with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish or spot. Spotless and sinless blood. That's what it took to redeem us. Ah, God has chosen us, but Christ, based on the foreknowledge of God, had to come in time, even though it has been effected before the foundation there, to execute by dying Execute the plan of God by shedding his blood because without the blood you can't be saved. So it took the foreknowledge of God, of Christ, in bringing us into God's plan so long as his choosing, his election is concerned. By Christ coming, number one, to die. Second, First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Look at it. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. First Peter 2, 24, he said, let's all read it. I, I think this, these scriptures are so good. Believers should just read it. Let's go. Oh, so, so when he was hanging on the tree, Somebody came to ask me, why is Bible, why is Bible contradicts itself? Because here it says three other places says cross. Oh, wow. See, when you are desperate <laughs> to find forth this, this two, if you were even you, you couldn't pass maths or English. Wait, you couldn't pass English. If you were writing the Bible, would you write three and another place write cross when you know they are very different? Even if you are stupid, you will do that because it's too obvious. In those days, when they said someone was hung on a tree, they knew what it meant. Dying on the cross was being on a tree. So it's like interchangeable. So this shouldn't even be a subject of worry. But when people are so desperate to accuse God, Satan is inside them, then they find, and then some of them, they come to you and they challenge you. And so you also hear, you say, oh, yeah, the Bible has contracted itself. One place says Jesus down on the cross. Another place says Jesus down on the tree. Oh, damn me. What is that difference? <laughs> you haven't seen a metal cross before? Yes, of course. <laughs> Those days, they had, nowadays they have it. Some people have some in their neck. Yeah. Metal cross. <laughs> Those ones are not cross. <laughs> Jesus was not the only one to die on the cross, please. Other people died on a tree. So anyway, it says, who bore, watch this, who, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree? What? So when he was on the tree, it was, he didn't have sin, but he was bearing sins. Who? Our own. Chapter 3, verse 18. I like chapter 3 verse 18. Oh, man. Oh, uh, please, can, you, can we read it together? Ah, let's go. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. 
All right, let's, 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 okay, sorry. What did he suffer for? He suffered for what? What did he suffer for? Ah. So Christ, no, no, please, the first statement. What did he suffer for? For what? So he suffered for sins. But what sin has he committed? Pontius Pilate who killed him said, I have five no fault in him. He asked the Jews, which of you convicts me of sin? There's no sin in me. Pontius Pilate said, there's no sin in me, in him. I don't find any fault. Those who brought him to accuse him, he asked them, what has he done? Do you know what they said? You remember, I think chapter, um, oh, verse, is it? No, Luke or John's account, where he asked him, yeah, I think, I believe it's chapter 18 or chapter 19, the beginning. He said, what has he done wrong? Mm. They said, if he haven't done anything, would he have brought him to you? (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? He's asking them, what crime has he committed? Uh, Matthew, rather. Okay, 1830. Verse 29. Verse 29, Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this Jesus man? Listen to the answer. It's actually accusation. They answered and said, if he were not, give us uh, New King James, NIV. They replied, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. No, I know he's a criminal. Tell me his crime. Tell me his crime. I said, no, if he is not a criminal, please, I know he is a criminal. You tell me his crime. Because there's no crime. But guess what? The one who is innocent, do you remember when he says that you are saved by spotless blood? Blood without spot? Because he's innocent. First Peter chapter 1, verse um, 19. Without blemish. Wow. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So his blood was clean and innocent. But guess what? First Peter chapter 3, verse 18, whilst he was on the cross, he died, he suffered for sins. The sinless suffering for sin, that's the greatest miscarriage of justice ever in human history. A sinless person being executed for sins. That the, 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 the just for the unjust, that he, oh, so why did he die on the cross? So when they said, if you are the son of God, come out from the cross, the Satan was tricking him to abort the plan of God. But he stayed on the cross because being on the cross was so he can bring us to God. Shout hallelujah. That's what the gospel is about. It's not I've stopped smoking. It's not I've stopped stopped gambling. It's not I've stopped lying. It's not I've stopped cheating on my girlfriend. Get rid of her. No, I've stopped fornicating. You can stop fornicating and still go to hell. But you must be brought to God. How can you be brought to God? It must take a sinless price. It's called the vicarious death. Vicarious means in the place of another. So this is his chair. And then I come and sit on the chair on his behalf. So it's a vicarious occupation. It's not him, but I'm doing it for him. 
So you, did, you were supposed to die on the cross. Don't you think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The soul that sinners shall die. The wages of sin is death. So you, the one who sinned, you were supposed to die, but he died in your place. So he died as if, as though it was, he was you. So that you can live as though you are him. That's, 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 that's the Christian life, the Christian, simple, simple Christian life. You are fighting with everybody, arguing with everybody. And you haven't changed, that's why. If Jesus was living, this is what he would be doing. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Just not I. The life I now live, I live by faith of the... You are not living your own life now. That means you are born again. If you are born again, you don't live your own life. Yeah. You don't know me, they don't know me. Who are you? We don't want to know, you want to know Christ. Yeah. For me to live is... Christ. Are you learning something at all? Well, let me add one more so I can close. So, Jesus Christ came in time and has redeemed and saved God's chosen people. How did he do that? By his vicarious death. Through the resurrection. 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten, oh, good God, he has begotten us, we are born again. So you've already been born by your mother, but God said, no, I want to born you again. And so it's not your choice that you go born again. It's his choice. Your mother begot you, but God said, me too, I'll begot you. Because of his mercies. Ah. According as his abundant message has begotten us again unto a, life, a living hope. How did he do it? How did he do it? So you see, it was, the resurrection was an instrumental means for us to be born into a living hope. His dying paid for our sins by his resurrection brought us into God, into a new hope. Because how can you get into God with your sins? So someone must pay for your sins. Then when your sins are paid for, now you can come into God. So he had to die to pay for sins. But he had to resurrect to bring us into God. If he had not resurrected, there's no way you'd be a Christian. So this thing God chose before the foundation of the earth, it was so necessary that Christ must come to die for it to be effected. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Verse 21 and 22. Are you learning something at all? Are you very sure you are learning something? Some of you are learning something that no one in your family has ever learned. First Peter chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. There is also an um, there's also an antitype which now saves us, that's baptism. Not the removal, oh, right, uh, through the resurrection. Yeah. Okay, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. How? Through the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is so important. It makes baptism effective. The re- we baptize because of the resurrection. The verse 22. Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers, 
been, uh, having been made subject to him. So the resurrection of Christ brings us into the purpose of God. So now God planned it. Christ, based on the foreknowledge of God, came to execute the plan of God so we can now be chosen in real time. And then finally, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit sanctifies and purifies those Christ has redeemed. So when Christ redeems us, the Holy Spirit's job is now his sanctify. You know, some of, you know, um, oh, so I don't think any of you have seen uh, fresh chicken, or oh, it's chicken, uh, hen, or fowl being killed for food. Think that Nando's one you have been eating, it, it was more like that. No, it was living and they kill it. I don't want to see something be killed. But you've been eating the killed thing. Where do you think the feathers go? Into your jacket. The feathers, we don't eat them. But once you finish killing the hen or the cock or the fowl, you have to clean the feathers. Open the guts. Take all the shaki out. And clean and make it ready for eating. Now, when you become born again, now the work is you have to be clean. The feathers must be clean. They have to open your guts, the feelings, and all kinds of things that have entered you and gone into you by Jesus through his word must start by the Holy Spirit to clean all those things out of you, getting you ready for the glory of God. So he has to gut you, clean you. There's too much shaki in your system. <laughs> Pastor gave us a scripture and then suddenly got close. All right, I hear you. I hear you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 2, verse 12, verse 22, chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 4, verse 14. First Peter chapter 1, verse 2, verse 12, verse 22, chapter 4. Verse 14. Let's see. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in some. Ah, in what? For obedience of faith and sprinkling of the blood. So you see, there are all, all the three there. So sanctification of the Spirit. What does it mean to be sanctified then? Verse 12. What was the Holy Spirit doing sanctified? To whom it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us. Uh, to, to, to ask, they were ministering these things which now have been reported to you through those, watch this, through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy, oh, by the Holy Spirit sent from, so as we are preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit is the one behind it. The power of the gospel. It's, don't think that you can convince people to be born again. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts them to be born yeah. again. So as you go out and you are preaching, the Holy Spirit just says, speak, and then I will do. Because he works with the preaching. So speak, and then he will do it. How of you, up to now, it's still a mystery how you ended up in church. You, you are surprised. How now you, this church thing is in you and you are in it? Yeah. How, what? Because no human being could convince you. Uh-huh. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 22. Since you are, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, ah, through the Spirit, 
So the Spirit's job is to, to clean you, to purify you, to purge you. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit. So now that you are born again, the Holy Spirit has a lot of work to do. The rest of your life, Holy Spirit is working on you. It's cleaning you. It's cleaning you. Pastor, I'm born again, but I, don't, I still feel the last tendencies I used to feel when I, it's every now and then it comes. Sometimes, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm not born again. No, 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 you are. You are. You are. But still, you are being gutted. Yeah. You are being clean. It's time. Time. Allow the Holy Spirit. Open up yourself through the word of God. Mm. Chapter 4, verse 14. And then I end. If, if you are approached, uh, if, you are, if you are reproached, for the name of Christ. Blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Because the spirit is actually resting on you. Don't worry if you are reproached. Say, say the spirit is upon me. Say it again. The spirit is upon me. Yeah. That's what it is. The spirit is upon us to help us. So, Anything you can achieve or accomplish, I don't like use the word, using the word achieve. We receive, we don't achieve. Anything, so long as God is concerned and Christianity is concerned, you can't have an achievement. It's God, Christ has attained resurrection for us, the purification for us. But anything you can, you can attain, get to in God, is the Holy Spirit who is the working strength. Remember Paul says that by the effectual working of his power. It's the Holy Spirit. So now, this whole program of salvation, this whole program of God, the plan of God, the full gospel of God, it starts with God. And when we say it starts with God, God planned it, Christ executed it, and the Holy Spirit applied it. Next week, we'll go to the path of the believer, from the side of the believer gospel according to PR. Did you receive something? God bless you for listening to this powerful message. May the power of God be evident in your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube and listen to more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms. You can also connect with David Entry and our youth ministry at Caris Phase 2 on Instagram and TikTok and at Caris on Campus on Snapchat so you are always up to date. Be blessed.